Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Betting Show. Me, Sean Sheehan, here on Sherdog.com. And we're back to UFC business this weekend. Uh, we had, obviously, the weekend off last week. We had Cage Warriors uh, and we had KSW and a few other things as well, but no Bellator, no PFL, <clears throat> no UFC. So it was, um, you know, a relatively quiet weekend. My uh, my. Five fight parlay didn't go to, as planned last week. Two of them lost, but I had, you know, I had, I had uh, three wins and then uh, the the additional win as well that I I, that I added to my uh, parlay thanks to thanks to Team KF. Um, so if you're betting last week, you probably came out maybe a little bit even, but we're usually you're usually up anyway, so we're not uh, we're not too bad on the year itself. Um, obviously, we saw Michael Mithurla and James Webb uh, getting uh, you know beaten and knocked out last week um, by Ali and obviously Pujanowski as well. So those are the ones that uh, they didn't come off, but the others uh, the others did. But we have uh, I, I'm back to my mostly plus money bets this week, and. Um, uh, we, we, have, we still have one parlay, actually, just a two-fight a two fight parlay because I had to get one fighter in, and I managed to do it here. So uh, we'll get straight into the bets here. Please bet responsibly, though, before we uh, we talk about any of this. Don't go mad. This is not a betting show for people who want to make long-term money on units and all of that. This is a betting show if you want to put a five round on the weekend. If you want to have a bit of fun, that's how I look at it. I look at it from an MMA perspective more than anything else and bets secondary. So if you're relying on me for your betting... Rely on me for the MMA bits. Rely on me for giving you a bit of maybe a bit of nuance, watching a bit of tape and seeing something I see, and put it with your knowledge and make your decision after that. Then and don't go, don't go crazy with it. Please don't go crazy because if you go crazy, you'll go crazy, and it's hard. It's hard to come back. So don't do that. Be even keeled with it and have fun with your uh, with your bets. And also. If uh, if your bet loses, don't come out and give out about the judging and don't say, oh, the, the whole system needs to be torn up. I gave Holly home by decision there a couple of weeks ago and I didn't come out and do that now. So no one else, please do that as well. If I could give you one bit of advice, it would be uh, it would be to do that. But anyway, do you know what? <laughs> I said Holly home by decision. She was in the main event. My other... Uh, my next bet, my first bet for this week is going to be the main eventer to win by decision as well, and that's Volkov to win by decision over Rosenstruck, and he's plus two two five uh, at the moment. Now that obviously can can change. Um, just thinking about this fight and breaking it down this week. Um, the more I think about it, the more I feel like Rosenstruck is just not going to land that big shot. Now, I could be I could be 100% wrong. Let, let's be honest here. I've been wrong before. Where, look, if anyone who's betting MMA, we've been wrong. <laughs> For going to be honest about it. So maybe he will land that big shot. And, you know, he locked out Sakai two fights ago. And he knocked out Junior Dos Santos as well, four fights ago or whatever it might be. Um... But his losses have been by unanimous decision, Curtis Blades and Seattle Gagne. Okay, he got knocked out by um, by a uh, big Francie, as I like to call him, uh, Francis Ngannou. Um, but it just feels... I wrote, I wrote a little bit of an article on this uh, for, for Severe May this week, um, just kind of a, a sharp preview of this fight. And as I was kind of writing through it, I was thinking, look, if... if Rosenstruck is, is still relatively young. Let me see, I just have his age here. 34, which is... Uh, as a heavyweight is young, right? So I, I'm thinking, right, if Rosenstruck can adjust to kind of not necessarily go back to the way he fought, but I think he he was more inclined to land that big shot before, more inclined to throw his hands before. But was that 
a function of him not throwing his hands? Was that a function of him fighting lesser fighters than the ones I just mentioned there, Blades and Ganu Ganya? Um, I I would think it's probably a bit of both, if we're being honest. But the the lack of output, the lack of him actually throwing those shots. It has been kind of eye-opening, I think, for his game. But my point is, he's young and he could change and he could adjust. He could get better or he could adjust, you know, backwards to do what brought him to the dance. Let's say against a higher level athlete once he gets more experience. So, like, he's only still had very few fights uh, in mixed martial arts. How many is it? 15 fights, which is is, rel- is nothing, really, if, if we're being honest about it, especially in that heavyweight division. Um so it's a thing, uh, like, I would still hold hope for Rosentruck in two or three fights that he could be a very, very, very good fighter. Because we, we, and he's a very good fighter, but you know what I mean? Like, a, maybe not a championship level fighter where he could fight for a title. Because we see fighters down through the years, even if it's, a, say, a Ryan Elson uh, or a Derek Lewis, who are less skilled guys than, um, than Rosentruck on the feet. They have success because they kind of stick in there, find a way to fight, find a way to get those knockouts, and it brings them to a certain level. I think, I think he can do that. You know, I think he can do that. Now, the question, that, that's long term. And the question is, short term, can he do that? And will he do it against Volkov? Um, and obviously, I'm, I think no, because I've given Volkov to win by decision. And my reason for that mostly is the range here, because... You look at Volkov, obviously, he's this big, long, six foot seven guy, whatever he is, and he fights from relatively long range. Now, he probably doesn't use it as well as a guy with his side should use it, especially against the smaller sort of guy in um, in Rosentruck, and he's not small by any means, but at 6'2", he's smaller and a lot smaller than Volkov. Um, uh, and, and, you know, he, he throws leg kicks from Lint, he throws an a good jab, and he throws one-twos down the middle. Um, My thing with Rosentruck is, though, that he fights from that range too, you know? He fights from outside of a step, a little bit like Holly Holm, who we spoke about a a couple of weeks ago, and obviously we all watched her fight. Now, her fight was a little bit different there, but normally. So, to me, Rosentruck is a guy who's all the way out or all the way in, but very rarely all the way in, right? And... If he can't get all the way in and Lando shots on the inside against Volkov, well, Volkov is just going to touch him up from the outside. Because let, let's say, right, let, let's say it's a Rosenamunis, uh, Carol Esparza part two fight here, and it's just outside fighting versus outside fighting for 25 minutes. Who's going to win that, right? I think probably everyone would say Volkov would, even if he's only, like, touching him from the outside. Um, Rosenstruck coming in and landing that big shot is going to be the key, because... If he does that once around and he lands a big shot on Volkov or hurts Volkov, then he'll win the round, even though Volkov, you know, we don't need to talk about the judging again. But even though Volkov probably will have the numbers on him. But he will have to do that at least three times in the fight in three separate rounds. And I'm not sure if he can. Now, Volkov is hittable, don't get me wrong. And I think if Rosenstruck came with the right game plan to be... Uh, to throw more volume and, and and not much more. I'm only saying maybe five or six shots around. I think he could probably he would win and he probably he'd be favored here. But having gone back and watched some of his fights, I just don't think he's. I mean, I may be wrong. I ju- I, ju- I just don't think he's gonna let those shots go enough over the five rounds. I just don't. And it should could be one of those ones where he's working his way and working his way and working his way in, and he's lost two rounds. 
and if Volkov only has to win one of the, the next three, I, I think it could be one of those fights. I really, really do. Um, I think it'll be a long fight. Look at heavyweight, we could get a five second knockout, you know what I mean? But I think it'll be a long fight. I really do. We look at the betting later on to see just the, the, the decision betting and all of that. But I like Volkov just to kind of pick him off, pick off three rounds probably without actually doing too much. And maybe if Rosenstruck uh, kind of improves, you know, improves in landing power shots towards the far end of the fight, he could win a couple more. But I don't know. I, I just I just see Rosenstruck winning the decision here. And I think at that price of plus 225, I think that's a good price, honestly. So I'm going to I'm going to go for that as my first bet of the week. Um, my second bet I'm going for, I'm going for Karolina Kovalkiewicz. Uh, minus 105, almost even money here to beat Felice Herrig. Um, and you might say this is a strange bet as well, considering the run that Kovalkiewicz has been on over the last while. You know, she has lost, she lost Andrade, Watterson, Grasso, Yan, and Jessica Pena, which, you know, is obviously a very bad run. But if you look at Felice Herrig, you know, she hasn't fought since the start of the, well, uh, uh, what was it October uh, September no no. what's the month before September January February March April May June July August August there we go August 2020 so she's been out you know 22 months at this stage after losing to Jendi Roba after losing to Watterson and obviously she lost to Kovalkiewicz before as well um and look, that fight is is a split decision. I think this probably will be will be close as well. Uh, and I like Felice Eric. Now a lot of people. You know, maybe she didn't flee Sarig or, or, you know, don't respect her again. I think she's someone who improved an awful lot in her career. Let's say from losing to Paige Van Zandt back in 2015. She beat Kellen Curran, Grasso, Quiche and Casey. Four fighters who I, I, I respect as well. Like, look look what Justin Quiche did when she went over to Belvoir. Look how good Alexa Grasso uh, is now. Those were all good wins for someone who maybe people didn't think would get wins of that level. So she's a very good fighter. But two years out of the cage, um, I, I did she get cut by the UFC and brought back? I, I think she might. Maybe I'm wrong now, but that I thought she was cut by the UFC. Maybe it was one of those things where her contract timed out or her, you know, she was a year out of the cage and she was taken out of it or whatever. But um, I look, I just think what this fight will be is Felice is strong and, you know, she's a good kickboxer, but is she going to be, like, as fast and land as many shots as Kovalkiewicz? Like, neither of them are big knockout artists or anything like that. Uh, Felice Eric hasn't got a finish since that Kaelin Curran fight back in 2016, and that was a submission. She hasn't got a knockout in... Let me look at her record here. Uh, I don't, has she ever got one? And not, she, her first fight is the only knockout, it says here, I think, but... Uh, it, it's a long time since she's gotten one anyway, and for um, you know, for uh, for Kovalkiewicz, she, oh, she hasn't had one. She hasn't had a finish since 2014, um, and as I say, and she hasn't had a stoppage as well since her first fight. So, yeah, that's this is probably going to a decision for uh, for being real about it. We'll talk as well about the decision price in a second when we get towards the end of it here. But I just think, like, who's going to... If you think to yourself, it's going to go to a decision. Who's going to win the decision? Um, I just think Kovalkiewicz, at this stage of her career where she needs a win... Look, she needs a win or she's gone from the UFC. Felice Herrick was kind of already gone. She's maybe getting a second chance. There's a lot of pressure on her here. Look, I think it'll be a close fight. I just think, right... 
uh, Felice Eric like is a very much a kickboxing orientated, you know, kick to the body, jab from the outside. I think Kovalkiewicz, the way she fights, where she is more loose and languid and picks someone off with shots, is actually very well suited to how Felice Eric fights. If she can kind of just circle around, stay elusive and land some shots on the outside, even if at times she gets pushed against the cage by Felice or whatever it might be, I think that is probably a way to win a decision against Felice. And it's as simple as that. My breakdown of this one. Now, obviously, we'll get to the the uh, uh, the price of the uh, of the, um, the decision or whatever in a second. But look, I think it'll probably be a close fight. But I think Kovalkiewicz's style might just edge it against Herrick if she can avoid, you know, taking something big. Um, next bet I'm going for here. And this bet I was racked. I was racked with doubt about this one. I went and watched. And I'm going for Tony Gravely, right? Straight up. And he's minus 127. He's fighting. Uh, sorry, he's minus 125 now. I'm just looking at it here. He's fighting Johnny Munoz Jr. is plus 105. But I'm going for Gravely. Um, and I, I, as I said, I watched just before this, probably five or six fights between them. And um, it's, oh, this is a, a an interesting fight, guys. Munoz Jr., they, they keep talking about him on the broadcast being this really good jiu-jitsu artist uh, who people are afraid to take down and, you know, they're going to get submitted if they do. And you can see when any of these fights, when they do go to the ground, he is very good on the ground and he has submissions and he threatens. Um, uh, but then Tony Gravely, uh, even they, they both lost to Nathan Maness and, and I, I kind of think he showed... and. Shout out to him as well. A very good fighter. Beat both of these guys and both of these guys are very good. That guy doesn't get enough love. Uh, and I'm sure my my friend Spencer Kai will be talking <laughs> talking about that this week as well, maybe. But however, um, he kind of showed the way to beat both of them. Now, Gravely, if you look at him as a fighter, a really strong wrestler. I think his striking has improved a lot. A lot but Miana showed him that he can get hit. And obviously, he got knocked out in that fight as well. And when you bring him into a striking fight, if you stop his takedowns, he does get tired. He's not as used to that as he's used to the wrestling. Um, so that's a way to kind of beat him. The way to beat Munoz, as Mayan is showed, is to push him against the cage, tire him out, take him down. Don't get too wild, sit in his guard, and he's probably not going to submit you from there. Um, and the reason I, I picked Gravely based on, if I put all those things together... Gravely beat Mianus, and this is MMA Matt's here, absolutely. He beat him in the clinch for long periods, and he held him against the cage. Um, and he showed he was stronger than him there. Mianus did the exact same thing to Munoz, showed he was stronger in the clinch. So if you want to do MMA clinch mats there, I would say that Gravely is probably stronger in the clinch than Munoz. Um, now, there's been a lot of talk about the clinch recently, and about referees should be breaking it up more, for me included. So maybe this is the week, like Dean Barry was made an example of a few weeks ago. Maybe Tony Gravely might get made an example of here if he's holding him against the cage. But however, you have to forget about that. I think that should be his A1 game plan here. Go in, try to hold Munoz against the cage, try to get takedowns where he can get takedowns and win a decision. And I think he can do that. Um, It's very hard to see how good a striker Munoz is. He doesn't. He doesn't do that much in the striking. When he does, it looks okay. But he's usually like looking to be taken down or looking to avoid strikes more than actually land them. Whereas Gravely showed, despite getting tired because of it, he showed good striking. He knocked down Manus in that fight. He, he Gravely's not a bad striker at all. I think uh, 
as he gets more use of it, I think his cardio will improve with the striking. If you get me, that makes sense. I don't know if it makes sense or not. Uh, I, I think it will. I, I, do you know what? I'm not sure if I've ever seen anyone actually do that. But just logically, it feels like it should. Um, if it doesn't, I think if the fight or any fight of his in, in the near future goes long and is standing, it could be an issue for him. And it's definitely something you need to watch. But... I, I think this will be a more grapple-heavy fight in terms of against the cage. Gravely will... I think Gravely will take him down. And I think Munoz will be happy to get taken down. And Gravely will be happy to take him down. But he needs to be very, very careful on the ground. He needs to push him against the cage even. Old school kind of takedowns. Get him there. Now, Munoz has a few takedowns of his own as well. But it's hard to see him taking down Gravely when Gravely's not tired. Or, you know, um, at the very start of the fight, I think. So if you look at that right I don't think Gravely's going to get beat up on the feet by Munoz he could get caught anyone could get caught I don't think he's going to lose in the clinch I don't think he's going to get taken down early so how's Munoz going to win this fight and that, that's kind of my thinking of it I think Gravely will win in the clinch I think Gravely hits harder and he's a better striker and I think he's wrestling uh, is going to be enough as well and I think he's going to be safe during the wrestling now if he's not safe with the wrestling if he gets on top and he tries to pass guard and he goes you know does does the wrong thing at the wrong time he could absolutely get submitted here but I, I'm going to I'm going to leave that I'm, I'm going to back against Jiu Jitsu <laughs> and I'm going to back Tony Gravely here to win at minus one two five um, right the next bet I'm going for here uh, so okay so I wanted to get Mavsar Evalev in as a bet uh, but his price is, is massive. Let me just look here and check exactly what it is. Uh, his price to be Dan Ige is... I cannot find it for some reason. Come on, Shani. Come on. Where is it? Uh, oh, yeah. Here it is. Minus 410. Dan Ige plus 310. I thought that was a crazy price, honestly. And I think the fight is much closer than that. Although I do think, still think Ovalev will win. Um, so I decided to get him in twice to my bets here rather than once. The flyer, obviously, I'll go second. But then I'm going for a parallel of him and Kovalkiewicz. Now, and and it's plus one, four, three of Ivalev and Kovalkiewicz in a parallel. And uh, obviously, I already gave Kovalkiewicz. Um, I think she'll win, as I talked about earlier on. And I think Ivalev will win. It's not the biggest price in the world, honestly. But I had to get him in here. And I didn't want to just get him in as a flyer bet. I think it's a good bet I think he'll win I think Kovalkiewicz will win I think Kovalkiewicz right uh, she's already won in that fight and I think she should probably be a little bit of a bigger price right so putting that with the two um the too big of a price if Olive or too small of a price if Olive put them together evens it out plus one four three there's your parlay and there's the the, the, the fourth bet of the weekend uh for that one my flyer bet then I'm going for Ivalev to win by submission at plus 700 now that might seem that might seem like a bit of a mad bet there altogether and then you know what sure why not let's get a little bit mad it is the flyer i said i'd be going a little bit more mad with him than i than i have uh previously and uh i am with this one i just look at if oliver and he's one of those guys where you go back and you look at these fights and um you see he's had submissions back in m1 when he was you know eight and oh and early in his career as well he was getting lots of rear naked chokes three of his first four fights were rear naked chokes and then he's coming to the ufc he's only had what uh let me just look here one two three four five fights uh in the ufc all of them going to a decision but he's fought some very good guys mike grundy enrique barzola look how good he is now nick Lins, uh hakim dawadu as well uh and he's fighting Ige here and i feel like right 
uh, what fight did I watch? I watched the Enrique Barzola fight where Barzola is a very good striker. And that was a, a relatively close fight. Um, and if you if you look at that fight, you can see that Ivalev was backing his striking and his striking has improved. And, you know, he is an all-around really, really good fighter. But at the base of it, uh, a tremendous wrestler. Sorry, I just eat my nose here. Uh, and I, I think... He against someone like Ige, I, I think he's already proven and shown that he can strike. And I think against Ige, I, I don't think he will have any want or need to go out and do that. Now, maybe he will, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think he will go out here and I think he will try to take down Ige early and often. And if he does that and he can take him down successfully, he's going to have a long time on the ground. A long time on the ground with Dan Ige. And, like, you give a guy like that 15 minutes on the ground who has submissions uh, in, uh, you know, in his locker, who's done it a long time, you know. Uh, Danny Henry submitted Dan Ige. It was back in 2019. It's not the longest time ago, you know. He's been submitted with a rear naked show. Sorry, sorry. D- d- he submitted Danny Henry. D- d- don't listen to me. I'm an idiot. Um, but, yeah, he's never been submitted. Just, just don't listen to me. I'm an idiot. Uh, but... <sighs> I just I believe in Nivalev, right? That's the main point here. Forget about Iga. I think he is legit. I think he's going to win this fight. And I lo- sometimes, right, when a fight goes to the ground, um, you I like to bet if you're doing a flyer bet, which this is now. I'm not saying this is the definite answer or anything like that. I used to love backing Jacare to win by knockout, right? Because he'd get the fight to the ground, he'd land a bit of ground upon it. You know, he'd mostly rear naked choke him or, you know, armbar him or whatever. But then the odd time, you'd get him at 5-1 to one to win by KO. And he'd ground and pound someone out. And I feel like this might be one of those ones where you're expecting a decision. You're expecting him to land, maybe uh, get top control and land a good few shots. But I, I don't think Giga is the type of guy who will just kind of sit there and accept it. And when you're not that type of guy, sometimes you give up a neck and you give up a submission. And I think that might be the case here. Because when I'm thinking about this fight, that's what I'm thinking of. Like, sometimes you think, right, Ivalev, or or if it's, you know, a Habib, or even someone like a, a Gravely, who's a very good wrestler, or something like that, you think they're going to get the fight to the ground. Their opponent will try to get up initially, but then they'll kind of say, ah, oh, shit, I can't get up here, and end up spinning the full five minutes of the round on the ground, or 450, or whatever it might be. Um... I don't think Iga is the type of guy that will give up that position. You know, I think he'll keep fighting and keep fighting and keep fighting. And he might give himself, uh, you know, give uh, Ivalev enough room to actually get that rear naked jog. Him fighting back and him struggling might actually work against him. And that's the reason I've gone for Ivalev here to win by submission. It is a flyer. It is seven to one. Don't get me wrong, but I'm going for it anyway. So there you go. There, those are your, those are your five bets, and I will uh, recap them at the end again. Um, so we'll, I'll go through some of the bets here. There are other cards as well this weekend. There's an LFA card which is uh, coming up here uh, on Friday, I believe. If I'm not wrong, yeah, Friday. Um, not many names that I would know sticking out there. I'm sure our, our American crew would know more about that. On Titan, though, there are a few names. Obviously, Luis Pena, we, we know him. But Dean Barry as well is fighting. He's fighting uh, Julio Cesar Chavez. Uh, not not that one. Uh, and he's minus 350 there. So it'll be good to see Dean back, obviously. If you haven't seen my interview with him, uh, we spoke about a little bit about this fight without knowing the name. But we also spoke about the iPoke and everything. That's up on YouTube and Sherlock.com or up on the audio feed as well. Um, 
There is an EFC Worldwide card on as well this weekend, as well as an Octagon card. Octagon have been putting on some very, very good shows. Um, Corey Tate is on that card. David Zavada is on it. Czech Kona is on it. Ivan Bushinger, as people probably remember from the Conor McGregor fight, he's been on a very... He's had a great career since that, you know, if people maybe don't know. So that's a pretty good card there. And if you need some uh, betting for that, there's a Fury FC card uh, as well this weekend. So lots of uh, non-UFC MMA as well. But to get to the UFC, um, that Volkov... Rosenstruck fight the straight up betting minus 160 for Volkov that's not bad at all Rosenstruck is plus 140 the over four rounds there is plus 105 now that's that's a pretty good bet I think I, I think it will go over the over 3.5 rounds is minus 125 fight to go to decision plus 110 so I, I think that's good betting you know we spoke about that a little bit uh, earlier on Volkov to win by TKO KO is Plus 275, I'm looking here. Rosenstruck, if you fancy Rosenstruck to get the KO, if you think I'm wrong, plus 215. I like either Rosenstruck KO or Volkov by decision. Pick one of them, and I think you probably won't be too far off. Uh, neither guy is probably getting a submission. They're both in the thousands for that, so big prices there. Uh, Iga, as I mentioned earlier on, he's plus 310 against Ivalev, who is minus 410. Uh, the over 1.5 rounds is minus 650. The over 2.5 rounds is minus 390. So they're expecting this one to go to decision. If you like Ivalev um, to win by decision, you can get that at minus 200. That's why I've got it for a flyer here. There's, there's very little value here. You know, a parallel value, maybe. But other than that, I am not not massive. I Look, if I was going for another uh, flyer, plus 500, you get to win a decision. You know, it could be a close fight. Imagine if he can't, if Olive can't take him down and it turns into a striking matchup. Could you see you get winning that? Maybe. I think if Olive would probably still have enough. But, you know... That's not a bad bet there either. Uh, Lucas Almeida plus 180. Michael Trezano minus 220. Uh, Karina Silva is minus 120 favourite over to Paulina Botelho plus 100. Alonso Minifield, this is another one I was looking at. Minus 165 over Ashkar, Askar Mazarov at plus 145. You never know Minifield. If he turns up, he'll probably win. If he doesn't, he might get knocked out. Uh, let me see if there's the bettings there. Uh, Mazarov is plus 175 to win by TKO Chaos. So the, book, <laughs> the bookies kind of agree with me on that one. Um, Minifield KO is plus 110 as well. I don't know. I'd probably avoid that one, to be honest. Uh, Alex De Silva, plus 150. Joe Selecki, minus 170. Ollie Osborne, big fan of his. I think he's very good. Minus 180. I think that's a good price as well. Over Adeshev, uh, plus 155. Damon Jackson is minus 550. Over da uh, Daniel Argueta, at plus 400. Benoit Denis minus 160. Over Nicholas Stoltz, at plus 170. That fight I mentioned earlier, Johnny Munoz Jr., plus 105. Tony Gravely, minus 125. A very close fight. I'm looking forward to that one. I think that'll be a good battle. Jeff Molina, minus 180. Uh, Zalagas Magulov, plus 155. I nailed that name. Andre Mikolaitis nailed that one as well. Plus 220. Oh, God. Um, Renat Fakardinov. Fakretinov, Fakretinov, minus 275. And then Aaron Blanchfield, um, she's a big, big favourite. Minus 525 against JJ Aldrich, plus 385. JJ Aldrich is a good, solid fighter who's not easily bet. And uh, at plus 385, I know Blanchfield is very, very good and you probably pick her to win, but 
That's that's a big price. That's a big price there for uh, Ireland's own JJ Aldred. So uh, that's a, an interesting one there as well. So yeah, that's all the fights from the UFC this weekend. Um, let me recap my bets again before I go. Uh, I'm going for Volkov to win a decision at plus 225. I'm going for Kovalkiewicz straight up minus 105. Tony Gravely straight up minus 127. I'm going for a parlay of Ivalev and Kovalkiewicz at plus 143. And I'm going for Ivalev to win by submission in my flyer of the week at plus 700. All right, everybody, I will leave it at that. Shout out to John Brannigan for the beautiful editing on this video and all the crew over at Sherdog.com. And shout out to everyone who tunes in as well. Leave a comment in the comment section. Let me know what bet you're placing this weekend on the UFC. And I will leave it there. My name is Sean Sheehan for Sherdog.com, and I'll see you all next time.